Revelation chapter 12 in your Bibles, if you would, please. Revelation chapter 12, we'll pick up uh, where we left off last time. Uh, very little overlap, not too much, because I want to get into uh, some new material here tonight. I'm hoping to maybe finish up this chapter. Should be able to do that without too much trouble, I would think. But I'm uh, going to have a couple of different uh, uh, themes here to kind of show you and help you understand. I, my heart's desire, and I mean this, I'm probably not too preachy tonight if you're all right with that. Don't fall asleep on me, okay? Every time you come to church, it can't be through the rafters. Do you understand that? And if you want like a revival meeting and every time you come to church, you know, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. That's not reality. Every day in your home isn't like, oh, we're all floating around on little, you know, clouds and playing harps. You know, that's just not life. Uh, but I will do my best to give you Bible. And I think what you need tonight is, is in the text. I think God's got some stuff for us. And one of the things that seems to be growing on me the longer I pastor, and actually it's you're doing uh, God's using you in my life more than you realize, is I want you to understand your doctrine. I, I really want you to get your answers from your Bible. Uh, I, I want more than anything in the world for you to learn to fall in love with that book in your lap and to realize what a beautiful and powerful and perfect book the Bible is. And here's what will happen to you. It happened to me and it happens to everybody if you're really following truth. What will happen to you is sooner or later along the way, you're going to run into something that is going to challenge your preconceived notions. Did you hear me? You're going to run into something in the Bible that's going to challenge your preconceived notions. Let me give you one. Uh, Satan tempted Eve and she took a bite out of the apple. Thank you. Exactly. It's exactly what you should ask. Did you hear him? He said, apple? Where? (laughs) 100% correct. Do you know how many people think it's an apple? Was that Steve Jobs? Is that the apple founder? That's what he thinks it is. Why do you think he put an apple on that thing with a bite out of it? Don't don't you think there's something supernatural going on with that? Satan's the prince and the power of the air, and he's used that thing to destroy an entire culture, an entire generation of people. You got people in third world countries walking around with smartphones in their pockets. I got to get back on track or here we go. I'll be an hour again, you know. Said I don't have too much for you tonight. But there's something to that. Uh, People have this preconceived notion. They watch the fairy tales when I was a kid, you know, and she'd eat the apple, right? What what one was that? Snow White. White. And they think it's an apple. Where'd you get that from a Bible? Well, I just always heard. Well, I just always thought. Well, I was always told. Okay, great. You mean a lie was repeated to you so often and you never authenticated that statement and so it was repeated to you so often you believe it and it's become so ingrained in you that now you think that's it. So if I can open the Bible and prove to you from the Word of God that that's not it, will you admit that you were wrong? Uh, I said I wanted truth. Oh, you mean you only want the truth you want. What about when the truth cuts you? What about when the truth corrects you? What about when the truth goes against what you were always told, thought, and heard, and believed? If the truth goes against what you believed, thought, heard, and were told, will you change what you believe to match the truth? Well, if you love Jesus Christ, you will. He's the way, the truth. Oh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, right? So if you really love Jesus Christ, you'll love the Bible. And if you really want to be more like Jesus Christ, you'll change your viewpoint to match what the Bible teaches you. 
And so as we go through this stuff, I'm going to point things out to you. Now listen, this is the hard part about it. When you're getting something that you've never got before, it doesn't always click 100%. You'll get something, and I'm going to give you some stuff tonight that I think is going to help you. And I told you this morning, when I get through Revelation and or Romans, whichever I finish first, I'm going to go into a series on essential doctrines. And I'm going to talk to you about eternal security. Why do we believe we can't lose our salvation? I want you to know why. And I'm going to turn to the references and I'm going to show you the doctrines. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the rapture of the church. Uh, That's a tough one for a lot of people. They don't understand that the church is getting raptured out. And I'm going to show you that we're getting raptured out before the tribulation period. We're pre-trib rapture people. And that's a tough one. Uh, There's a lot of material that's been written attacking the pre-trib rapture. And now I'm going to show you a little bit tonight and help you understand. I'm going to give you some seeds. I'm going to give you some, some framework that should make sense to you when we turn those references. Okay, but what I want you to do is this. Please hear me. I'm begging you to hear me right now. Please ask God, the Holy Spirit, to show you the truth. You have nothing to fear in asking God to show you the truth. I showed you this morning, you need not that a man teach you. The anointing you've received to God is what teaches you, right? And that anointing is God's Holy Spirit that He put in you to teach you the Bible. So as a born-again Christian, if you're saved, then you ought to be able to sit there and say, God, if this is it, please show me. And then when we run the references and we show you and we explain it to you, you should go, oh, I see that. The God, the Holy Spirit will confirm the truths to you as you get taught the truths. But you've got to have these truths. Because people open up this book in front of you, the Bible, and they'll show you from a Bible all kinds of stuff. They'll show you from a Bible how you can lose your salvation if you don't endure to the end. In the New Testament. Oh, it's in the New Testament. It must be for us. Well, I'm going to touch on that a little bit tonight. I'm going to show you. But then if you go Googling, they're going to come up and say, well, you know, they say there's other Gospels. We didn't say that. I never said there's another Gospel for you. You see that? He's preaching another gospel. Well, the Bible lays out different gospels. If the Bible lays it out, then the Bible's right and your preconceived notion is wrong. What does gospel mean? Good news. It's glad tidings. That's what it means. So you just jump to these preconceived notions and conclusions. There is no, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be what? So if anybody comes to you, church, Preaching anything other than the gospel that we received from the Apostle Paul, let him be accursed. Do you know in the tribulation period, angels are flying in heaven preaching what's called the everlasting gospel? Now, are there errors in the Bible? Did God get amnesia by the time he got to Revelation and forget what he told Paul to say? Is your Bible not inspired? Your Bible's 100% inspired. Every word of God is pure. So you look at that passage, and you look at that passage, and they don't match up. So you know what everybody does? They say, okay, we'll just mix them together. It's all for us. And that is why you have denominations out there that think you're going through the tribulation period, the ones that think you're getting raptured out before the tribulation period. Some think you're eternally secure. Some think you can lose your salvation. Some think you got, I mean, it's all over the map. So we got to understand what it means to rightly divide the word of truth, which is what God told Timothy. He uh, told Paul to tell Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy, he said in 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto. I don't care what you think. That's mean, ain't it? I'm not trying to be mean. I don't care what your mama thinks. 
not being mean. I don't care what your granny thinks. I don't care what you believed your whole life. I don't care what your preacher or your church has taught you. You're not studying that Bible to approve your friends, your family, your background, your preconceived notions, or what you were always told. You're supposed to study that Bible to be approved unto God. It's hard work. That's why most people don't want it. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you got to know where you fit in God's timeline. When you come to Revelation chapter 12, you're not here anymore. We showed you that already, so I'm not going to repeat the lesson, but I will repeat the lesson when we go through it after we get done, and we'll talk about a preacher of rapture. At this point, I showed you in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, who the woman is. We defined it by turning references in the Bible and letting God speak for himself, because God's perfectly capable of speaking for himself. And what he told us is that woman is Israel. And now we come down to verse number 10, where we left off last time. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And I showed you earlier that this has not happened yet. Milton's Paradise Lost tells you it happened at the fall of Lucifer. It did not happen yet. Uh, Lucifer's been going up and down through outer space, presenting himself before the throne of God. You see it all through your Bible. You see it in the book of Job, one of the oldest books ever written, and, and one of the first books as far as uh, chronologically speaking, not in the biblical order of the canon, but chronologically speaking, it's one of the oldest books in your Bible. And, and Satan's appearing before the Lord. He hasn't been cast out of heaven yet. It doesn't happen until the future. From where you're at right now, it's coming in the future. And God casts him out of heaven sometime in the future. You know what he's doing right now? He's accusing you before God. One of the number one things in my guesstimation, one of the number one things the devil loved to do right now is get you to lose your salvation. He is accusing the brethren before God day and night. In other words, he's up there before God going, Hey, God, you see what Reagan just did? You see what Reagan, you see that, God? You see that? He knows better, God. He's been in his Bible for over 40 years. He, he was raised in church, Lord. He was, he, was hearing, he was hearing great preachers. If they can hear in the womb like they say they can, he was hearing great preachers that believe the Bible long before. He wasn't even out of the womb yet and he was hearing it, God. He's known it his whole life. And look what he did. He knows better, God. See, as that, really, God, is that where he's at at almost 46 years old after all you've given him? him and all the help you've been him and the good guys you put in his life and all you've taught him and all the good graces look at what he did god he's the accuser of the brethren and a and a great application of that a great application in your life is when you repent of your past when you get right with god if you're saved praise the lord what's in the past is gone you understand that what happened before you were saved didn't happen in god's economy that doesn't mean you don't have to live with the results of your sin. Don't mix those two. Yeah, I have to live with the fallout of what I've done, for sure. But in God's economy, what happened before you were saved is gone, washed clean. It didn't exist. Now, how about that? But what about all the stuff you've done since you were saved? Well, let me ask you a question. If you've messed up since you were saved, have you asked God to forgive you? Have you gotten right with Jesus Christ? When you realize, man, I messed up, God, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? What did he promise you in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then if you ask God to forgive you, what did he do? He forgave you. Why are you beating yourself up? 
Well, that, that might be demonic, huh? That might be the work of the devil to always keep reminding you what you did and how bad you messed up. And now God can't use you and God can't bless you and God can't forget that stuff, man. I was talking to somebody recently and they said, uh, they asked me a question. It was a really good question. Like, well, I was serving God and then I backslid and now I'm serving God again. Did I lose everything before? I said, well, that's a great question. In my opinion, I think that if you were serving God and you laid up some treasure in heaven and then you backslid and you stayed in the backslid state, yeah, you can lose what you wrought. But I got a feeling that when you get right and get back in with God, he restores, according to the book of Joel, unto you the wasted years. He didn't say, I'll restore you after the wasted years. He said, I'll restore unto you. What do you think redeeming the time is? You're buying back what you messed up. What do you think Romans 8.28 means? All things work together for good to them that love God. Do you love God tonight? Yes. Tonight, right now, you love God? Yes. To them that are called according to His purpose. Are you like, I'm after God's purpose tonight. Teach me the Bible, preacher, so I can get closer to Jesus Christ. Lord, show me what He's saying and make sure you're teaching me the truth. If that's what you're doing, he said, all things work together for good. Would it have been better if you hadn't a backslid? For the sake of some of these kids and the way the devil twists the truth in their minds? Yeah, it would have been better if you hadn't. But did you and are you right now? Then I just gave you three or four verses of scripture that show you God has the power to take your mess ups and make you better and use you more down the road as a result of what you've done wrong. Now, how about that for a great God? How about that for a great God? And how about the fact that that devil's the one always kicking you in the face and kicking you in the teeth and keeping you down and telling you if you'd have got saved earlier, your kids wouldn't be like they are. And if you'd have got right earlier, you wouldn't have messed it up and your kids are this and your kids are that. Why don't you just give it all to God and just say, Lord, I can't go back there, but the devil won't stop choking me out with this. And I need your help. I got to forgive myself since you've forgiven me. Now take all my messes and use them for your glory and let them kids see how great a work you've done in my life now. Now, look at some verses. Let me show you something. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. So, Lucifer's the accuser of the brethren, and he's tremendously powerful. And it's a scary thought to know that he can look over your shoulder and watch you 24-7. He's got little imps or whatever he does. However, he's got his government set up and all the rest of that, the principalities and powers and rulers. He copycats everything God does, and he's got it all set up. Uh, he's got little procreations of himself called devils, not demons. Demons ain't in your Bible. In your Bible, a King James Bible uses the word devils with a small d, and that's not the devil. So there's a strong chance they're little procreations of himself he's sending out, little children he's got. Uh, we'll just leave it at that, not to be occupied with meats. But he's got something going on, and he's watching, knows what you're doing, knows what your family did, knows your weaknesses, knows your strengths, knows your mom, your dad, your grandpa, grandma. He knows back multiple generations. If you ever noticed familiar spirits, right. familiar, the root word being family, uh, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to repeat. Yeah, you will. There's something bigger than you wandering around, man. That's a scary thought, ain't it? You got a powerful being out there that wants to see your soul damned. And if he can't take away your salvation, he wants to wreck and train wreck your life. He'll do everything he can to get you hooked on any sin he can get you hooked on. And if he can't get you at you through the flesh, he'll get at you through the spirit and get you to be a self-righteous, fruitless Christian that doesn't have any passion for God, any compassion for souls. I mean, when's the last time you cried over lost souls? Think about that for a minute. 
You've got a powerful enemy. Well, the good news is he's not the one that's taking care of us. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. You in 1 Timothy? Did I say 1 Timothy 2? Okay, I got it right for once. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You know why you can't lose your salvation? You know why the accuser of the brethren can't get to God about you? Because Jesus Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us. You got a mediator between you and God, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, oh, that's for salvation. You don't think he's still doing it? He's the one coming between. God's holy. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, do you think you'd have a prayer with God? Go to Hebrews chapter 7. They didn't in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he could take his spirit from them like we talked about this morning. He promised he'd never leave you or forsake you. David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's begging God not to take it after God promised him, God, he'd have the sure mercies. And God put the spirit on him when he got anointed and the spirit never left him. He's saying, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me because he knew the penalty for what he'd done. That's an Old Testament passage. Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. If you're saved, you know who's running interference between Lucifer and God? It's Jesus Christ. Your salvation is as good as Jesus Christ is. And he created the whole mess, and he's going to rule and reign over it. He is God himself, God manifest in the flesh, one with God. And we'll show you later on what's going to happen in eternity future. It's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, it's wild. We'll get to it at the end of Revelation. We're going to stretch your minds a little bit. It'll be exciting. But Jesus Christ is the one right now who's ever living to make intercession for you. Lucifer can't get through the blood of Christ. Ain't that a blessing? Now go back to Revelation chapter 12. And you see what happens in heaven when he's cast out. They're rejoicing. There's a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation come. In verse number 12 of Revelation 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Uh, there's a great joy in heaven over the fact that the devil's cast out. Now look at verse 11 of Revelation 12. And they overcame him how? Okay. And... And by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. Did you get saved by the blood of the Lamb and your testimony? He's given you salvation with faith and works. You, don't, you didn't get saved by faith and works. Now, you got a choice to make. You can correct your Bible and be reproved by God Himself when you see Him because He said not to add to His Word, not to take away from His Word. And if you do, He's going to reprove you and you'll be found a liar. Or you can believe the Bible as it's written and figure out who it's talking to and say, wait a minute, is my doctrine wrong or do, do I have to keep it by, by, by works? I got it by faith. Do I keep it by works? Now, let me show you some passages of Scripture that I, I hope will help you with this. Go to James chapter 12. I'm going to scare you a little bit first. Let me rattle you up, and I'll show you what the, well, honestly, a lot of the fundamental brethren do. Uh, they'll believe a lot like you and I as far as salvation is concerned, but then when they get to some of these passages, James chapter 2. 
Since they don't know what to do with them, they start twisting the Bible. And I'm going to show you what to do with this. You just believe the Bible like it is. And you study the Bible like it is. And you just calm down and you let God be God and you let God speak. And when you just study what He's saying, you'll come out stronger, not weaker. James chapter 2, look at verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show, thee thy faith, show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Alright, the argument is, well, it's just the showing of faith. It's just showing that, that uh, it just means faith in action. It doesn't mean actually faith it has to have works with it. It's faith in action. Okay, then explain this to me. Look at verse 20. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is what? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you got eternal life. Your faith ain't dead. This says faith without works is dead. You say, oh, well, that's talking about in your practical life and in the practice of your life and as men view it. Okay, but where's any of that in the text? You're reading into that text to say that stuff. That thing says faith without works is dead. Watch. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? You were justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. You weren't justified by works. Have you read the book of Romans? Keep coming on Wednesday nights and I'll nail it down like you so bad you won't be able to escape it. As goads and nails fastened by the master of assembly. That's what this Bible is. Every word's put in a spot to nail it down. You were not justified by your works. Abraham was. They say, well, Abraham got saved the same way you and I did. He was looking forward to the cross. Hogwash. I'll show you in a little bit. Hogwash. He got saved looking forward to the cross. When you got saved, you were justified and you got imputed righteousness at the exact same time. Seven chapters in, in Abraham's life between the two. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And seven chapters later, he obeyed God and was justified. You got them both just like that. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you saw what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. You realized you were on your way to hell. You recognized the finished work of Jesus Christ is the only thing you can do to get to heaven. And by faith without works, not of works as any man should boast. None righteous, no, not one. Uh, it, it, that we uh, what was the one in Titus? Um, uh, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. There's no question you got saved by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing. He said He's justified by works. That's not how I got justified. I got justified by Jesus Christ when I put my faith in Him. You're in the New Testament. See how people get messed up? Like, wait a second, this is in the New Testament. Look at another verse here. Look down at verse number 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You say, explain it, preacher. Go to James chapter 1. Anything out of context is a pretext. Did you hear me? Anything out of context is a pretext. So I can pull verses out of my Bible and I can make them say what I want them to say if I pull them out of their context. I can make the Bible fit any preconceived notion that I have if I just twist the scriptures by pulling it out of context. 
James chapter 1, verse 1. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the churches in Galatia and Ephesus and Corinth. and It's not what it says, does it? What's it say? Oh, you ain't a Jew. BJ is half. The only one here I know of. Mike wants to be, but he's not. <laughs> he's got the hair and the beard, but he ain't got the blood. You didn't replace the Jews. I'll show you in Romans as we're going through there. You've got to just get a little bit at a time, and it'll all make sense to you. I can't teach it all in one night. I wish I could. This is written to the Jews. Who are we dealing with in Romans chapter 12? We showed you in verse 1. I think we nailed it down pretty good. It's the woman. Who's the woman? It's Israel. You know what their salvation is in the tribulation period after you're gone? Their salvation is faith in Jesus Christ and the word of their testimony, and that's how they overcome. They can't receive the mark. Christians are getting all rattled about, is the vaccine the mark and all the rest? They're going to think and flag us again. Is the vaccine the mark and all the rest of that stuff? You can't say that word because that's what triggers their little AI systems and all the rest of that junk. Christians getting all worried about that. What are you worrying about that for? You can't receive the mark of the beast if you try. If you're born again, you'll be gone by the time that thing's offered. Because if you receive the mark, you lose your salvation and you were promised you can't lose it. So that's a little bit of a little bit of a, a um, 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 I'm giving you the appetizer for the pre-trib rapture teaching we'll get to and we'll get into it in detail. But the doctrines of salvation aren't exactly the same. If you're going to tell me they're the same all the way to the, through the Bible, then why were they sacrificing lambs for you? But you don't. It's not possible the blood of goat, bulls and goats could take away sin. Nobody said it did. But their plan of salvation, their path from where they were to Abraham's bosom, not heaven, was through the going to the temple and trying to keep the law and committing the, the, giving the, uh, the sacrifices when they messed up, because they messed up, regularly giving the sacrifices. It was a different plan of salvation than you got. All right, let's look at some more verses. Go to Colossians chapter 2, please. Colossians chapter number 2. No, excuse me, Galatians 2. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 16. I'll show you an error in the Bible here. You just read a text that said that he's justified by his works and faith without works is dead and all that stuff. Look at verse Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That says exactly the opposite of what James said. So what are you going to do? Are you going to change your Bible? Or are you going to study to show yourself approved unto God and rightly divide the Bible, understanding that God wrote that book not just for you. I know Americans think it's all about them all the time. You know, it's all about us. It's all for us. Like, yeah, it's all for you. It's not all to you. All my Bible's for me. I learn from every bit of it. I read all the way through the Old Testament. I read every bit of it. And God speaks to my heart from every page of Scripture. Boy, it's amazing. There's stuff in all of it for my soul. It's not all to me doctrinally. This is to you doctrinally. This is to the church in Galatia. 
Look at Titus chapter 3. First and second Timothy, then Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's John chapter 3. That's that new birth. Not by works of righteousness. Well, in Revelation 12, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and love not their life unto the death, because if they don't take the mark, they get their head cut off. And that's how they overcame him. Go to another one. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Yeah, in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then Jude, then Revelation. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. Start in chapter 4, and then we'll go to chapter 5 in a second. So we just read how they overcame them in Revelation 12, right? Blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and love not their lives unto the death. How did you overcome? You didn't have to go through all that to overcome. Look at verse, uh, verse John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Do you see that? You see that? I just, I just feel so good when I go there. So? So what? What is up with this weird spirit going on in our churches, folks? I'm asking you a question. I want you to think about it. Now think for a second with me. In the book of Romans, did God list effeminate? as one of the things that shows a nation that's turned from God because they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, and it leads off into all kinds of abomination and immorality and perversion and homosexuality and all the rest of that. Didn't he he list effeminate in there? What's up with the effeminate spirit in our churches? Why don't God's people have enough discernment, the gift of discerning of spirits, enough discernment and enough Bible knowledge to sit in the pew and say, when my preacher's acting like a girl, something's wrong. People take issue with me because of the way I talk. Oh, he thinks he's a tough guy. I don't think I'm a tough guy. I'll knock you. I mean, I don't think I'm a tough guy. It's not about that. It's about the fact that I'm in love with this book and I got a fire burning in my guts and I want to help people. You can't honestly sit there and think I got a mean, nasty, hateful spirit even when I'm preaching. You know I'm telling you the truth and you know I'm doing it because I'm not about my pocketbook. I care about the truth of that book and you know it. And anybody that's judging honestly will tell you that and the rest of them to stink at four winds with them. Get out of here. Whatever, man. You don't have an honest spirit about you. I'm not mean about this thing. I care about the truth, and I don't believe God calls any man to preach and stand up there like he's a little stinking, sissified, effeminate homo. (laughs) A real man's going to sit there and and listen to that. You know what you guys need to do? You need to lean in. Just lean in to truth. How many of you guys would be like, I'm out of here. Let me see your hands. Every one of you jokers better raise your hands. All you guys ought to be like, we're gone, preacher. What is up with this stuff, folks? How come nobody's trying this? The spirit of that is wrong. Would you take your next steps with Jesus? Just lean into God. We need to be leaning into one another. And this journey that we're on together, this journey 
They all do the same thing. Like they're taught to do this with their hands. This is, nobody stands there naturally and says, Honey, it's time for us to go to the grocery store. Let's take a journey to our grocery store family. It's so good to be here with our grocery store family. It's insincere, and listen to me, I think it's a wicked spirit. And then we say, oh, the problem with the homes, to- the problem with the homes today is we need men. Some of you men need to be leading your families. Not that you're the head, ladies. Because <laughs> if I take all the ladies off, then everybody's going to leave. Because that's all we got in our churches. And the men that come, come because she drug them by the nose hairs to church. And he's sitting there falling asleep trying to get her to shut up. So he can go home, hurry up and go home and watch the game. A bunch of like big monster dudes sweating trying to smash each other over a piece of pigskin. But, oh, but we don't have any real men in the culture. No, we just don't seem to have them in the pulpits. That's the problem. Yeah. Try the spirit. Something's wrong with the spirit. You need to get out of a place like that. God ain't in that because God lists it as a step towards homosexuality, and you got a stinking homosexual culture. Yes, sir. The men aren't allowed to be men, but the women, they're allowed to be more manly than the men are. Somebody's going to lead the home. If you ain't doing it, she will, but it's okay if it's a female. This whole nation's just jacked up. We'll get kicked off of YouTube for sure now. <laughs> You can find us on Sermon Audio. Don't worry about it. Believe not every spirit, even the ones that make you feel good. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. How are you going to try it? You've got to open your Bible. Because if you don't have a Bible to open and look and judge and run the references on, then you don't know. You're just running by your opinion, your feeling, your emotions. You try them by the book. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now it is already in the world. Ye are of God, little children. Watch it. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ye have overcome them. You've already overcome. Well, look at chapter 5 and verse, uh, 1 John 5. Look at verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God. Are you born again? Yes, sir. Okay, what happens? Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You're going to get caught out of it eventually. If not, you're going to die and be pulled out of it. Thank God for that. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith in keeping the commandments. Faith in the word of our testimony. It's not it. It's your faith. That doesn't match Revelation 12. So Revelation 12 is not to you. It's to Jews in the tribulation period once you're gone. Who is he that overcometh the world that he be- that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? That's it for you. That's all. You believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's the victory. You've got to be born again, and if you're born again, you've already overcome. Not folks in Revelation 11. In Revelation 12, in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and loved not their life unto the death. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Yeah, because he's gone. <laughs> That's you and I. We're going to be up there having a party, man. We're going to be shouting and screaming and running the bases in heaven. I mean, ain't nobody going to be a stuffy, you know... That was really good, and I really wanted to yell amen, but I didn't want people to think I'm crazy. 
ain't happening up there. We're all going to be busting loose when God throws him down. And man, praise the Lord for that. But man, the people that are still on this planet. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Folks, if God Almighty says, woe to you, boy. Could you imagine? For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Keep your finger here in Revelation 12 because we're coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 10. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.10, it says, And to wait for His Son from heaven. That's what you and I are looking for. You're looking for Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You're not looking for the Antichrist. You're not looking for the mark of the beast. That's the biggest bunch of cotton baloney, cotton picking baloney you ever heard in your life. Cotton baloney, that was a good one. That's a new one. That's ridiculous. You're not looking for the Antichrist. You're looking for Jesus Christ. You're waiting for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from what? Folks, you go through Thessalonians and you find out that thing's talking about this wrath right here. It's the wrath of Lucifer being poured out on this planet. Lord ain't sending you through the tribulation. He's not leaving His bride here for Lucifer to attack. It's going to be Israel who's rejected his son that are going to suffer the wrath of Lucifer unleashed on the planet so that they realize at the last second a nation is born in a day. That whole nation is going to realize we crucified our Messiah and here he comes in the clouds and those are the hands that we pierced and the feet that we pierced. Oh my goodness, that's him. And they're going to fall on their knees and they're going to return to Jesus Christ in a day. Because Lucifer's coming after them and about to obliterate them off the planet. I'm telling you, the number one most hated race that ever has been and ever will be in the future is the Jews. That's because Lucifer hates them. Back in Revelation 12. Look at verse 13. It says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, so he's being demoted, Right? He said, I will, I will, I will, I will, right? Five I wills. I will ascend. I'm going up. I'm going up. He wanted to promote himself. And so what God does is God demotes him, demotes him, demotes him, demotes him. And every time God smashes him down another step, he gets more angry. Smashes him down another step, he's more angry. He's going to come out after the end of the millennium, which we'll get to. I'll show you the verses. He's going to come out furious. And the wildest thing in the world is a whole bunch of people go with him to try to attack Jerusalem where Jesus Christ is sitting up there ruling and reigning. Man, what a rush. I don't know where these people get these preachers are not teaching people Bible. If people understood, if God's people understood what it means to go to heaven, they would change the way they lived. I'll show you when we go through Revelation. He promises you that if you suffer, you'll reign with him. You know what that means? He's going to be here reigning on this earth for a thousand years. And stuff's going to be going on. People are going to be rebelling against Jesus Christ during the 1,000 year millennial reign with the devil locked up. You know why that's significant? You know what the Lord's showing them? 
You guys have been accusing the devil for 6,000 years of being the problem. I'm going to lock him up and I'm going to show you that human nature is still a mess without the devil even there to mess with you. And that's going on in the millennial kingdom. We'll nail it down, but not you. You're, you're going to be in your glorified body, eternally secured, made like unto Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about rebelling or losing your salvation at all. You'll be wrapped up in him. But the people that make it through the tribulation and go into the millennium, some of them, most of them will serve the Lord, but a whole bunch of them won't. That's why you're going to be ruling and reigning with him. You're going to be responsible if you're faithful in that which is least. Now then he knows you'll be faithful in much, the millennium, and he'll give you an opportunity to rule and reign in the millennium. And you'll be enforcing his laws. <laughs> Ain't that a trip? I don't know, just go home and forget about what we're talking about and just start playing your video games or watching your TV or whatever you do. Don't worry about reading your Bible tomorrow. Don't grab any tracks on your way out the door from the track rack. Just we'll can, We can buy more three years from now whenever we run out. We won't even have to put it in the budget for this coming year. I mean, that's, you know, don't worry about it. Just do what you want. You get my sarcasm, right? He's watching you and he's rewarding you and he plans on rewarding you bigger than you realize. What about the end of the thousand years? I can't wait to show you that. Stuff goes on for a long time after the end of the thousand years. Like up to probably a hundred thousand years before we don't know what happens after that. But we got, we got some pretty cool stuff to study. The Bible lays it all out. The dragon comes down mad. He's casted the earth and he persecuted the woman. We nailed her down. That's Israel, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's three and a half years. Time, times, and half. So I think it's pretty interesting that he says he gives her the wings of a great eagle. Ain't that strange? Go to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Uh, let's get down to, for the sake of time, let's get down here to verse 6. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, um, it could be COVID, and earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows, right? Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all what? Oh, this is a national parable. God's talking to the Jews. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because, of iniquity, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's why they say you get saved by faith, but you keep it by works. You got to endure to the end. The blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony. And they mesh it all together. But I just showed you this is a national parable. He's talking to Israel in Matthew 24. Jesus came unto His own. He's preaching to the Jews. Well, it's in the New Testament. It must all be for me. 
Yeah, it's all for you. It's just not all to you. Watch. Verse 14. And this gospel of the grace of God shall be preached in all the world. It's not what it says, is it? This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight... He gave him wings as a great evil eagle. Be not in winter, neither on the what? Oh, I wonder why. Why not on the Sabbath? Because in Israel they ground the plains on the Sabbath. <laughs> That's through Orthodox. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no one or ever shall be. I don't know if they still ground them or not, but there's a Sabbath connection. You understand that that's Israel? You know what he's telling them? Folks better be careful. The abomination of desolation is set up and they're trying to reinstitute sacrifices and all the rest of that stuff. It looks like they're reinstituting a Sabbath and he says, you better pray. I wonder if that great eagle is a 747, possibly. Just saying it's possible. Not making a doctrinal statement on it. I'm saying it's entirely possible. And he says, your flight, you're supposed to flee to the mountains. Get out, run, fast. Why? Because Lucifer's coming trying to wipe that nation off the planet. And this is the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are they of the hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Beatitudes are great. But you know what that is? That's the constitution of the kingdom. When Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning, if you don't forgive men your trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive yours. You ever not forgiven somebody? Yeah. It's real easy for you to sit around and be like, well, you should just forgive. Yeah, I know some people and I know some stories. You wouldn't be man or woman enough to forgive them if they did to you what had been done to some people I know. Then you put this undue burden on them that God didn't put on them in this dispensation to forgive. If you don't forgive and forget, then God's not going to forgive you. What kind of drugs are you on? You don't lose your salvation no matter what. You don't run out of forgiveness, but somebody does in the, in the millennial kingdom. People don't know their Bible, man. These preachers aren't rightly dividing that book, and so you get so confused as to what to believe and why and where does this fit and what applies to me and what doesn't, and you've got a whacked-out, messed-up church. People are insecure and unstable. Let me show you some verses real quick about this that will help you understand some things. Go first of all to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Making good time here. We'll be done in a little bit. A little bit is a very relative statement. <laughs> Acts chapter 20 verse 24. Paul says, but none of these things move me. I like this. Man, this dude, this guy's something else, man. He don't care if he dies. Literally, he doesn't care if he dies. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the kingdom. 
to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The kingdom of heaven is not here right now. It's coming in the future, but it's not here right now. He said, God's given me a ministry to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Go to the book of Romans chapter 12. Keep going to your right. Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, I think it's 2.16 is what I'm looking for, not 12. My chicken scratch isn't very, uh, very good. Romans 2.16. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking for. Romans 2.16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Paul said according to my gospel. All right, Paul, explain that to me. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Now, this should make a lot of sense to you. I hope and pray. Galatians chapter 1, start with me in verse number 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, Neither was, neither, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, hang on a minute. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. And then I'll tie these together for you and it should make sense to you. Ephesians chapter 3. Good verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. You see that? Now, what do we, the gospel of the grace of God, right? We just read that passage. And then my gospel, Paul's gospel. So he said, if you heard the dispensation of the gospel of the grace of God, of, heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation... Well, we just, we just read that. He said, I didn't receive it from a man. I wasn't taught it. I got it from Jesus Christ. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. What mystery? Now, this is some of the things I got to show you when we do our doctrinal studies. There's seven mysteries that a preacher is supposed to be faithful to teach you. You're not getting taught this stuff in churches nowadays. What is this mystery? Now, look at the parentheses. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. They were saved in the Old Testament looking forward to the cross. Well, chapter and verse, please, but I'll give you one that shows you they weren't. And is now revealed unto us by his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What did I tell you this morning? The Spirit of God teaches you, doesn't he? But he uses men. But it wasn't men that did it. He said, we're reading the Holy Apostles. And, and so you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And you're reading the prophets. And you're looking at those things. And the Spirit of God is showing you now when you look back. You see Jesus in the Old Testament. Because you got a New Testament. They couldn't see it. You can. And now watch what he says. That the Gentiles, that's you and me should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, 
whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. You know what he's telling you? He said, folk, guys, here's what happened. When I got saved, I took three years and I went and sat at the feet of Jesus on Sinai. You can go read that in Galatians. And God revealed unto me the mystery. And then I came back with that thing. Paul didn't get saved till Acts 9. Acts 9. Stephen Stone in Acts 7. Paul shows up in Acts 8. I think, I think his conversion is Acts 9. You can go look at it, whatever it was. It was well into the book of Acts. Why are these churches going to early Acts to base their church off of Acts 2? Paul wasn't even saved yet. The mystery wasn't even revealed yet. Acts is a history book. It's not a doctrine book. It's showing you what happened in the early days. They're debating all the way into Acts chapter 15. Paul sits down with them and has a big debate with them. And then they all kind of hash it out and they figure it out. And they're like, yeah, wow, we get it now. And God gives them a mystery that was hidden back then, which is, listen, if the Jews reject again a second time, then what's going to happen is I'm going to provoke them to jealousy, which we'll show you as we're going through Romans. I'm going to break them off, and I'm going to graft the Gentiles into one body in Jesus Christ. You're not a Jew. You're not a Gentile. You're the church of God. If you got saved and you're born again, it doesn't matter what race you are, what background you are, what socioeconomic status you have. It's all about Jesus Christ. A Jew gets saved today the same way a Gentile does. Or you're not in the body. Now what's going to happen is God reveals this mystery that they didn't see coming, which is the church age. And he gives the gospel of the grace of God, which is salvation by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's it about your salvation. You're saved if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to save you, turn from your sin. I mean, you're recognizing, man, I'm going to burn in hell without Jesus Christ and I need him to save me. He did everything that was needed on the cross and you trust him by grace through faith, not at my works of righteousness, which we have done according to his mercy. He saves us. You know what's going to happen as the Gentiles push him away? He's going to break you off. Break Gentiles off. He'll pull the church out. He's done with the Gentiles. He's going back to the Jew. He's grafting her in again. I'll show you that in Romans. So what you've got here is you've got a gospel that's to you. It has nothing to do with your works making it to the end. Thank God for that. Ain't that great? Is you've got a powerful devil up there trying to make sure you lose your salvation. If you could keep it, you'd go to hell. Hey, hey no way, man. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry about that. I, there's no, I know I, I couldn't do it. I'm glad I don't have to keep it. I thank God for Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 12. What a blessing not to be in this day and time. What a tough deal these guys got, man. All right, let's wrap this up. So she's out there for three and a half years and she's hiding at the end of verse 14. And in verse 15, the serpent casts out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. So he's trying, he's using natural disasters, but it's not that. It's him spitting it out that he might Cause her to be carried away of the flood, and the earth opened, helped the woman, and uh, then the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. That's an exact inverse of the book of Exodus when the waters opened up and they went forward on dry ground. This time the waters are coming down and the ground opens and swallows up the water. You know what God's doing? God's miraculously delivering the Jew again because the Jews require a. Don't forget that. When he sent him with the gospel, who did he send him to first? 
He said to the Jew first. You ever weird that? That's not that weird. <laughs> to the Jew first. Oh, and also to the Greek. That's us. Start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then go to the uttermost. You are last. Sorry about that. I know that's not you know socially acceptable and you know what is it PC? It's not very PC. It's not very PC, but it's Bible. So you are last. Deal with it. And thank God you got something so special. You got the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He sealed you under the day of redemption. Man, you got it so cotton picking good. You couldn't, shouldn't complain about being last. He tried to reach His people first, and they said, We won't have this man reign over us. And then He gave Him another shot early on in the book of Acts, and all the way up to Acts chapter 7, they stoned Stephen and said, Shut your mouth about the gospel. And then at that point, Paul gets converted, and Paul's the, the apostle to the. Oh. I magnify my office, he said. He's your apostle. And God reveals to him your gospel. Ain't that interesting? Jews require a... Greeks seek after... He gave them the sign gifts early on to show the Jews you just crucified your Messiah. And then 1 Corinthians 13 tells you they're going to cease and knowledge is going to vanish away. Preacher, I got a word of knowledge. Great, I'm ready. Show me. You know, people still, I got a word of knowledge, and they pop up and they're going to say something. The Spirit gave me an utterance, and the Spirit gave me a prophecy. And okay, show me. Because now you got the prophecy. You don't have to trust me and my whim and your feelings about what I just said. I mean, I'd rather just open up the Bible and teach you the book, if that's all right. Then I know when I stand before Jesus Christ, I know exactly what Spirit was guiding me. And I know I did my job, and I know I'm okay with Him, and I know I did my best for you. And let the rest of it be what it is, because that's the best I know how to do. And from there, it is what it is. But God's bringing signs back. Look at verse 17, and we're done. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Look at it. Her seed. Guys, that's Jews in the tribulation. You couldn't miss it if you tried to miss it. Which keep the commandments of God... And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You keep the commandments for salvation? You don't, do you? You guys, that ain't your salvation. But it is 100% perfect, inerrant, infallible, inspired words of Almighty God. So you got to make sure you know who it applies to. And it don't apply to you. And when you understand that and you can put things in the proper context... That Bible opens up like you've never seen it open up in your life and you'll study it the rest of your life and fall more and more in love with it and your confidence in God and in His Word will grow. And that's what I want to help you with. You'll have a foundation for your life that you can guide and be guided by and I don't ever want you to leave this church and doubt this book unless you're just a complete derelict yourself. You're just a reprobate mind. I want to give you everything I can give you to strengthen your faith in God and in what He said and help you, because that's going to that's gonna help you, man. That'll get you to the finish line. All right, let's stop there for tonight. We'll pick up in Revelation 13 next week. We'll